CGSW 90.9 FM. That was Agative Classy Vampire. Agative and Classy Vampire from I Live Inside My Head, a live track. Uh, collaboration between Calgary artist and Florida uh, and a Florida-based artist. Before that, we also had, of course, La Securité, all the way from Montreal, Quebec, uh, rocking it out for us a little bit just to, to get the booth warmed up uh, in addition to the sun shining in here this morning, the bright, bright sunshine. Uh, we've got our next guest on the show today. Uh, Dr. Alex Danino is a child psychiatrist in Calgary, also an instructor at the UC Cummings School of Medicine. Uh, it was about a month now, or it's been about a month since... Uh, the provincial government released new uh, new policy or proposed new policy to restrict access to transgender medical youth uh, in Alberta, uh, require parents' consent in schools for name change, uh, restrict access or make uh, ac- access more uh, more difficult for sex education in the in the classroom. Um, so here to join us this morning is, is Dr. Alex Danino. Uh, good morning. Welcome to the show. Hi, Peter. Thank you so very much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us and, and for coming on. Um, there's there's so much to 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 look at in in this policy announcement or policies, I guess I should say plural. But I guess maybe first, how much of a of a bombshell? were these ideas for the medical community uh, when you heard this announcement last month? Oh, uh, I don't think it could be underestimated, uh, the gravity of that that announcement. Uh, none of us working uh, in the field of trans-affirming uh, care were aware or consulted or had any inclination that this was going to happen. So, um, yeah, it was a huge, huge bombshell. Yeah. Could you explain for, for those that are maybe not as aware, I guess, what happens today when youth are experiencing gender dysphoria? What is gender dysphoria and, and how the medical community helps them? Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, it's interesting because we I, we actually ask youth what their concept of gender dysphoria is. But if you're if because I think it's important to understand where it's one way to understand where an individual is coming from. But essentially, the way that um, we can we talk about it with youth is that it's a it's a discrepancy between your internal. Uh, sense of gender identity and your external uh, gender presentation or gender features. So, you know, um, we use terms like sex assigned at birth and and gender identity because those two things are, are very different. Um, so it would be when your sex assigned at birth does not necessarily align with your gender identity. Um, and that can mean you know the spectrum of things that that can mean is huge it can it can mean anything from an individual uh struggling with understanding their body uh and working through that understanding as they uh move through life and society um and it can mean that they don't actually do uh or reach out or ask for any medical uh support in transitioning um they might 
purely uh, do so, what we call social transitioning. So things like changing their clothes or their hair, the way that they, they might wear a binder, that kind of thing. Uh, all the way to the other spectrum, other end of the spectrum where some, someone's journey might involve uh, various medical options assisting in uh, that transition process. Um, it's a very, very long and involved process for these young people. Uh, you know, many of these young people have been contemplating, discussing, considering coming to understand themselves for a long time before they even come out to, to family and friends. Then they need to go to uh, their primary care physician and get a referral uh, to the gender clinic, uh, either here in Calgary or in Edmonton. Then they wait on a very, very, very long wait list. Um, and then they eventually see us, and we are a, a multidisciplinary team. Uh, so that we have pediatric endocrinologists, adolescent medicine specialists, nurses, social workers, therapists, and psychiatrists, all working as a team under one roof to provide wraparound family-centered care uh, for these kids. And even once they come to us, you know, there's a large proportion that that don't ultimately choose to go on to medically transition, and then there are there is a portion that do as well. So, uh, and, and that's that's kind of the general thing. One of the things that's so hard about this uh, topic to understand is that there are so many nuances. I mean, we're talking about a process that is very physiologically determined. So regardless of age, it doesn't matter. What matters is when somebody starts to go through puberty, um, and their understanding of themselves. I mean, we know that gender identity can be understood very, um, very solidly by the age of two or three. So, you know, that's not for everybody. That's a minority that understands it at that point. But that's that's there, you know. So this is a it's a widespread that we see. Yeah. So the, the a bit of that process you were you were touching on there and and that um and, and all those medical professionals involved i mean there's a there's a perception that seems to be coming from uh daniel smith and the provincial government that they're trying to prevent youth from making rash sudden snap decisions that they'll regret later um is that in any way what what you understand that's going on uh, in supporting um transgender or um, youth experiencing gender dysphoria? That is the exact opposite of my experience. Uh, a lot of what we do on the mental health side of the team is support youth and families in being patient. Um, patient with uh, the system, patient with understanding themselves over time, patient with the length of time, the wait lists, the requirements that come uh, into play. Uh, so no, uh, nothing, nothing, as a broad statement, I would say nothing really happens fast mm -hmm. uh, in gender care. Uh, at all. You mentioned parents there, and a lot of this has been framed around by the by the UCP as parental rights. Um, but from what we've heard back from from medical professionals, it's actually almost more the opposite. It's taking away parental rights. Um, can you explain more about that? Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, you know, any decision like this, by its very nature. Is gonna is go, has to be family centered, and it needs to be family centered. We do know kids and families do better when people are talking to one another. So a lot of our work is 
very much family centered, uh, whatever that involves, meeting people where they're at and supporting youth and their families. Um, you know, one parent actually said to me about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, uh, that she thought it was ironic that the um, that the UCP was talking about parental rights in schools. They, parents need to know what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think anybody could, you know, necessarily oppose that. Um, but she says it's interesting because they're all for parental rights everywhere, except for in the medical office when we're discussing our medical health with our medical professional in a private environment with medical experts based on guidelines, world guidelines. Um, then apparently we don't get a choice. So parents are are being taken out of the equation by the very fact that the government is trying to impose a political agenda on a medical uh, procedure, a medical concern. Mm-hmm. And um, so part of that um, that set of policies was, and I think you're alluding to, is the procedure um, banning the uh, or proposing banning. Uh, gender or puberty blockers uh, for for anyone under the age of sixteen. Can you explain um, how this policy is is misguided as being has been um, sort of the response from the medical community? Yeah, I, I just just to be fair to them, I think that it was no blockers under fifteen and under. But essentially, yeah, that does that does cut out the fifteen year olds as well. Um, it's a it's a very it's I think if you had to pin me down and ask me what probably one of the most damaging parts of the policy package that she presented uh, was is it would be this because uh, I don't know if you even remember your own life Peter uh, or anybody listening um, but puberty starts before fifteen years old uh, in fact that general average age of puberty starting um, has moved back, has moved younger and younger over the years. So we have kids, um, you know, starting puberty very young, so 10, 11, 12, right? Um, And so uh, they're called puberty blockers. They're called puberty blockers in the medical world as well. I kind of like to call them puberty pausers because they are completely reversible. So you bring a puberty pauser on board and you're buying yourself time to make choice. So that's the other ironic thing. I think Danielle Smith was talking about preserving choice for kids as adults. Well, puberty itself has irreversible changes. So what we, the only kind of sense of urgency when we're talking about care for transgender youth is if they are pre or peripubertal, just when we want to get those pausers on so that they have time up to two to three years to continue to explore gender identity in a safe space before any irreversible changes happen. So blocking, say, putting an age limit of 15 just kind of connotes to me a fundamental lack of understanding about human physiology. You know, I, I, I might get in trouble for this, but I really want to say, you know, like, did, did, did our UCP members opt out of sex education at school? Because, um, yeah, that's not the way it works. <laughs> so, Adriana Lagrange may have been homeschooled, so that's entirely possible. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, but really, it's too late uh, by then. Um, it really is too late. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's going to be incredibly damaging. And when we talk about youth, like what what percentage of youth experience this and maybe enter into these discussions with their doctors? Oh, I uh, the numbers as I understand them are less than 1%. So, you know, there's a perception out there that everybody and their dog is transgender these days. <laughs> and uh, that's just absolutely not true. Uh, what I think had been true before this policy announcement is that young people were feeling safe and supported in an environment where they could explore their gender identity, their gender expression, their sexual identity, all of those things in a safe environment, um, and then make make their own choices in a safe and supported way without feeling that they were wrong or or um, sh- without being shamed at all, right? And I think that was such a great thing to to see in young people. Um, you know, and then and then the outcomes of that would be all over the board. But at least they have a safe and supportive space to explore. Um, now, um, so so yes, I think there are a lot of kids out there exploring, and I think there always have been and always will be. But we were talking about it more, which I think was lovely. And now I'm afraid already with even just with the policy announcement, which doesn't actually change the way that we work right now. People are getting the message that even exploring this is wrong. It's other they're othering them in some ways. And so I'm afraid that we're gonna get a lot more, and I've already seen more people being afraid to be who they are, which leads to, we know, a myriad of mental health concerns and problems. So um, but it's still a small percentage, one percent, right? Like I said, you know, we have we have long wait lists and we have large numbers at, at our clinic, but that's because we cover a huge territory amount of Alberta and we even see people from BC, um, you know, just from across the border kind of thing. So we're we're seeing a lot of people. We're a very specialized clinic, but it's uh, in the context of the large prop proportion of like the larger population, it's still a very small amount. For those just tuning in, I'm speaking with Dr. Alex Dinino, a child psychiatrist here in Calgary. Uh, another piece of this uh, package of policy ideas sort of dropped uh, by surprise on the province was uh, a policy to restrict uh, sex education in school, something that applies to all youth going through the school system in in Alberta. What, in your professional opinion, as a, a child psychiatrist and, and with uh, the, the youth that you see, um, is harmful or so dangerous about uh, restricting sex education in school? Oh, man, where do I, where do I start? Yeah. Um, other than what we'd already discussed, you know, about, about inherently, as soon as you have to opt in to sex education, you're making it special you're making it other uh you're going to have the kids who opt in whose parents opt them in and the kids whose parents opt them out um you know there's there's differences whereas i think of this um part of education as as like essential for future health awareness advocacy and and self-protection right without understanding and getting the information from a reliable educated well-sourced evidence-based uh location which is what our teachers do so much of in our schools um you know i'm afraid that a kids are going to feel othered b 
it's it's implying that somehow exploring these things is wrong um, and that they're wrong. Um, see, they're going to have a, a, a misunderstanding and we're going to see rates of not great things medically and mental health wise increasing as people turn to very unreliable sources like <clears throat> TikTok uh, to get their medical information, right? It's, it's naive to think that we're not curious about this, every single one of us. And if we don't get a good foundational information in our schools, then we're not going to turn somewhere else. And that's where, that's where misunderstandings come from. Right. Every kid has access to the Internet in one way or another, even even parents who are monitoring and using parental uh, restrictions. Every kid has that. Every kid talks to the kid next to them, uh, you know, and, and that's, that's great. That's support of one sort. But they all need a responsible adult to turn to. So as soon as you say I'm going to opt in not just to sex education over the course of the year, which she's doing now is saying I'm, I'm going to have to opt into every single um, lesson every time I talk about sex education, gender identity, gender expression, or sexuality, um, parents are going to have to sign. Kids are going to have to remember to get their parents who to sign a form. They're going to have to remember to sign the form. They're going to have to remember to send it back to the school. Automatically, you're going to get kids missing out on things, um, missing out on this really vital information. Um, so yeah, there's there's just so many things wrong about this, and we've seen in places like in the US, where there's a restriction of open and honest discussion around this. We've seen rates of uh, teen pregnancies, sexually transmitted illnesses, all of those skyrocket. Like, why are we, why are we, why are we doing something that we know history has chosen doesn't work, has showed us doesn't work. It makes no sense. Well, today is, is yeah. February 29th. It's a, it's a leap yeah. day. Uh, yes. It's budget day here in Alberta, and uh, uh, and like with uh, the previous discussion we had in the last hour, and and this discussion, Alberta seems to be uh, the at least Alberta government seems to be leaping backwards. Um, but uh, there are many people in the province who want to leap forwards. So yes. how do you? Uh, what do you suggest to with all the storm of um, of, of bad policies coming out and misinformation. What can kids do to help who want to help? And what can parents and, and everyday citizens do to, to help with, with all of this? Such a great question. And there's so much that people can do. Um, yeah, there's so much. So first of all, I mean, be kind. <laughs> be kind to those around you. If you even have an inkling of a thought that somebody might be struggling in the context that, that we're in right now, reach out, send them a text, say hello, see if there's something you can do. And even just listening goes an incredibly long way. It's not just listening. It's listening. It's a big thing. Uh, so that's the first thing. And that goes whether you're a child or an adult, uh, somewhere in between, <laughs> whatever, right? Um Kids, um, kids have so much power. I, once again, am privileged to have met some incredible youth advocates. So uh, young people organizing themselves in their schools, joining their GSAs. Um, so, and kids out there, if you identify as cisgender, uh, as straight, whatever you might identify as, you can still be an ally and you can still go and join a GSA to help promote what is what is right, what is fair and just for 
for your your uh, fellow young people. So um, you could do something like that. Um, if that's not your thing, you're not the I'm going to march down the street with a flag kind of person, then once again, just uh, supporting the people around you, talking with the people around you that you feel comfortable with. Uh, you can also, even as a youth, write letters to your government. So find out for who your MLA is and write a quick email. Let them know uh, that you're not happy with the way things are going. And that goes for parents as well. So parents, please do let your MLA know. That goes a long, long way. Uh, let them know how you feel both about uh, you know government in position in medical care in your medical home, um, as well as how you feel about losing access to those supports at schools. Um, that goes a, a really long way. Um, voting, please get out and vote. Um, and keep talking about this. I think like, like you were saying, uh, there's a lot going on today. And uh, one of our fears uh, I think for those of us trying to advocate for this care in this community is that this is going to get swept up amidst a bunch of other stuff. Um, but nothing in this policy, nothing that she announced is okay. Um, and I don't want it to be forgotten uh, or minimized in the context of all of the other stuff. Cause I, this in my humble opinion is a slippery slope toward a lot more government interference in in our own medical decisions um, and uh, policing of, of others' bodies. And I do not think that is okay in any context. So, yes, support your friends, join groups if you like, keep up to date on what's going on, talk to your MLAs and vote if, if you're of age. Alex, thanks so much for, for coming on the show this morning to chat with us. Peter, it's been lovely. Thank you so much. I love CJSW so, so much. And uh, uh, thank you for, for all that you do. Uh, thank you. Thank you again. Once again, I've been speaking with Dr. Alex Denino, child psychiatrist here in Calgary.